Coming up this evening on NTD Business, Amazon is bringing two companies to court over fake reviews. Claims the companies connected sellers with consumers who would write positive reviews in exchange for free products. Trouble at America's largest department store, a shoplifter with a loaded gun. We have the details. And a major aircraft manufacturer is investing big in hydrogen planes. Are they the future? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. Amazon is cracking down on fake reviews. It's suing two companies that it accuses of helping connect sellers with people who would leave positive feedback. In exchange, the fake reviewers allegedly got free products or payments. Amazon filed the lawsuits against App Sally and Revitest yesterday. Fake reviews have been a major problem for Amazon. Don't forget Amazon accounts for over half of e-commerce sales. But it's not just on Amazon you got to be careful. Americans lost a staggering $5.8 billion to fraud last year. What's worse, that's 70% more than the year before. 70%. Federal Trade Commission is reporting nearly 3 million consumers filed fraud reports with it in 2021. The most common category, imposter scams. These accounted for over $2 billion in losses last year. Imposter scams come in many forms but they all work the same way. A scammer poses as someone you trust and tries to convince you to send them money. There are scammers impersonating tech support, IRS officials, online dating candidates, even grandchildren. FTC says it's a growing problem in today's highly connected, high-tech world where criminals can use anything like text messages, email, or phone calls to scam their victims. The agency says to stop, check it out, and think hard before you wire money to anyone. Shoplifting. It's an all-too-hot a topic in cities like San Francisco and New York. Now the latest case involving America's largest department store and a loaded gun. It's making headlines. Anthony's Arian Pastor has more from Manhattan. A 21-year-old man was detained by security after stealing from Macy's flagship store on Tuesday. Police arrived shortly after and found a loaded handgun in his bag. Thousands of people visit America's largest department store every single day. They should beef up their security, which I mean metal detectors. A Macy's employee told me off-camera that she and her colleagues experience dangerous incidents on a regular basis. She says employees are afraid of working there. Tuesday's suspect was charged with criminal possession of a weapon, burglary and petit larceny. And I hope they got brought to justice and they're hopefully in jail now. But the 21-year-old might not go to jail. Just last month, he was arrested and charged with grand larceny from a different department store. We spoke with Avi Kaner, co-owner of Morton Williams Supermarkets. He says one of his managers was robbed at knife point over some steak earlier this year. I've been in business for 25 years as the co-owner of, of the supermarket chain. I've never seen this level of theft. According to him, the city is at fault for the rise in theft. The city has told thieves, this is an entitlement. You are allowed to go in and steal we will not do anything to you. Mayor Eric Adams is currently trying to change New York City's bail laws, but Albany lawmakers want to keep current rules in place. Arian Pastar, NTD News, New York. 
Almost two-thirds of unemployed men in their 30s have criminal records. It's a new finding by Rancorp. The research center says many of those individuals have trouble finding jobs. Employers will often run background checks, which will turn up any convictions or jail time, dampening the applicant's chances. Research from the University of Michigan found if you don't have a criminal record, you are 60% more likely to get a callback. But the question is, as American businesses find it hard to fill jobs, is this group of people an untapped resource? We're joined by one company who is loud and proud about hiring people with criminal backgrounds, clothing manufacturing, manufacturer, future in design in Utah. Nicolina Womack is its CEO. Nicolina, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for letting me come and talk about this topic. It's something we're very passionate about. Absolutely. Nicolina, how did this begin? Uh, I think it sounds like a very noble endeavor, and, and maybe to get our viewers up to speed, can you give us a, an idea of the type of convictions we're talking about here? Um, I think the majority of the convictions that we deal with are statistically what you're seeing across the board in the country. Um, which are majority of them are around drug offenses. Uh, I think it's 40 something percent of all of our criminal offenses that we're dealing with as a country are around um, nonviolent offenders. So majority of the people that we work with are um, actually dealing with some sort of uh, drug convention, uh, former drug conviction. But you are trying to give a second chance to people with um, perhaps violent convictions as well. Is that correct? Yes, yes. We don't see as many of them. Um, they are as, you know, opposite to what we are um, uh, told. Uh, we, there's not as many of them that exist as the amount of the abundance of low-level drug convictions is what we usually experience. Fascinating. At the time, were you short on staff? Was this something you were forced into doing or were there other reasons? So it actually was other reasons. Um, it, there's an amazing study that came out of John Hopkins University regarding the ACEs study, um, which stands for the Adverse Childhood Experiences. And it's a study that talks about how, um, how young people that consistently deal with trauma more um, are predisposed to certain physiological issues as they get older. Um, and a lot of those trauma-induced situations lead to problems that they're dealing with in school. Um, and if you're also added in other things that are dealing with poverty or dealing with race, then they start to um, kind of funnel them in what's called a school-to-prison pipeline. So where we were really focusing on young adults, we started to realize that there really needed to be an intervention piece for these adults who have had these um, significant traumas and have ended up in some s serious dependency and, and at times violent issues with uh, in dealing with the justice system. And so we realized that the heart and the core of what we need to be doing in helping these individuals remove barriers to employment is we need to be able to address some of their skill sets and address some of their traumas which really isn't very original, I'd like to say we were, but it's something that's actually the way the um, prison model is, is completely formed in our Scandinavian countries in the world. 
It may not be um, uh, original, but it's definitely not overly common. Can you give us an idea of, of one of these young adults who has had a particularly positive experience with your company? Um, we've had quite a few. Uh, one of my one one that really comes to mind is we had this amazing young person um, come through, uh, was dealing with uh, some serious some serious uh, drug convictions and drug court and had their child removed from their home. They're now one of the main leaders in our company and our manufacturing leadership. And they are also have their child back full time. And now they're even an advocate um, working with the Division of Child and Family Services here in Utah to help other parents who are dealing with um, drug addictions and are also having to have that uh, intersection of a, a, a child and protective services case. Um, how do they help them get back to the point where they can have a reunification with their child? Um, we also have another woman who um, has was trying living here in rural Utah, trying to get employment for over 20 years and could not, and now is one of, again, one of the main stars and leaders of our, and manages majority of our facilities and all of our mechanics. Um, but because of a small town and uh, a lot of people claim they know other people and their records didn't want to give them a chance so they've been without employment for 20 years and without any way of mobility um, to even go to a without those funds and that those resources needed wow. to even try to find a different place to be able to gain employment and get a livable wage. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Very quickly, Nicolina, I think a, a very noble endeavor. Those very heartwarming stories, as you pointed out. Have there been any cases that haven't worked out? How about your other staff? Has there been any pushback on this? Do they feel safe in the environment? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we leave our personal belongings around here all the time. And these people are some of the most loyal and Some connection problems there. Nicolina Womack, Future and Design, thank you. There'll be plenty of construction jobs available this year, according to the Associated Builders and Contractors. Increased demand for housing, the President's infrastructure bill, and people retiring early mean we're talking 650,000 workers to meet the demand. It's a 50% increase over last year. The jobs pay an average of nearly $34 an hour, but they're not easy to fill because of more regulations and less worker freedom. So we don't have enough people to build all these homes. We also don't have enough people to build digital things like websites and apps and then protect them. Tech talent is hard to come by, it seems, especially during this period of digital acceleration. In a recent Gartner report, almost two-thirds of its executives said a lack of tech talent is the most significant challenge to adopting new technology. That number was only 4% as recently as 2020. So joining us to discuss what it calls the tech dilemma are two gentlemen from Pivot Technology School. Pivot calls itself a leader in the ed technology education space. With us, we have president and co-founder, Quan Clark, and also chief, uh, chief strategist, Isaac Adai. It's, uh, Pivot is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, usually, but the lucky guys have just touched down in Miami, Florida for a tech conference. <clears throat> How's the weather's down there, guys? It's beautiful. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Imagine, yeah. Guys, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. You guys are doing incredible work from what I see. 
Before we get into it, just how serious is the shortage of tech workers in the United States right now? Um, I think I think it's extreme. I think what we're seeing right now is that um, every industry is really becoming tech focused and tech centric, and there's there's a shortage of individuals who can actually do the work, especially when it comes to software development and, and data skills. Uh, and Pivot, we're really positioned to to really excuse me to really uh, provide that you know the workforce that's needed for the shortage. You guys started 2019, I think is good timing. Um, come 2020, we had this so-called great resignation, great reshuffle. As you mentioned, a lot of companies became tech companies if they weren't tech companies before. How have you guys helped people to maybe retrain to fill these gaps in the tech industry? Sure, great question. You know, we've done a lot of work to give people access to tech skills and data analytics cybersecurity, software development that helps them qualify for these jobs of the future, essentially, these in-demand jobs. And because our programs are virtual, we offer a flexible format for people that are looking to take advantage of all of these work remote opportunities and break into the tech industry. So we've, we've done a great job of placing a lot of talent in a lot of different roles, and really we've helped to diversify the tech industry. You guys are proactive, right? You're in Miami, you're in Nashville, you're all over. I believe a lot of your, your, your coaches or, or uh, teachers, however you guys call them, they're practitioners in this space as well, if I'm not mistaken. So you guys have your finger on the pulse. How long do you feel this shortage will, will continue for? Um, I think I think it will continue, uh, and I think there has to be an intentional uh, focus on companies like Pivot to uh, not only provide the, the learning that's needed, but also work with corporations and understand where the trends are going. So what we're trying to do is be proactive and understand uh, with each one of our partners, what are your current needs, but what are, where are you tracking toward? What will you be needing in the next five to ten years? Because we want to position people to get not just what's available now, but what, what's on the horizon as well. Can you give us some example, a particular person, a memorable person who passed through your training courses, maybe pivoted into the tech sector? For sure. So there's a guy named Nicholas Odom. He uh, was working as a bus driver here locally in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he actually got a job in operations doing some, some operational work. He came to pivot. Uh, and within, I believe, two to three months upon graduating, he's now moved up into management. He's now doing a lot of dashboarding, and really he's doubled his salary within the first year of going through our organization. So what it does is it gives people a skill set that really has no earning limit to it. It really gives them unlimited earning potential because in technology, you can take it as far as you want to go. You know, the skills are really the the really the the <laughs> the roof is the, you know, the, the ceiling. So there's no ceiling when it comes to it. You can take it as far as you want. Uh, that is a story. Isaac, we've got about 30 seconds. Maybe you're the chief strategist. What's coming up next for Pivot? Yeah, sure. More work in our communities, giving people of color access to tech careers, but also more corporate partnerships similar to what we've done with Amazon and Shift. We're trying to forge more partnerships with companies so that we can expand our access and expand reach and give more people pipelines into tech careers. Great to hear. Pivot Technology guys, or Pivot Technology School guys, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. And Wall Street ended sharply lower again today. The Nasdaq leading the day's decline fell 344 points, two and six tenths of a percent. 
The Dow fell 465 points, one and four tenths of a percent, and the S&P 500 lost 79 points, one and eight tenths of a percent today. Do you like yogurt? Well, it could be the next victim of inflation, sorry to tell you. It means it'll probably cost you more soon. The world's largest yogurt maker, Danone, says price hikes are inevitable. It's battling soaring costs in its supply chain. The company has been a target for activist investors in recent years. It's over its lackluster returns compared to rivals. Danone has been under pressure to boost profit margins and tackle costs. And that looks like a big challenge now with the company saying their costs would likely rise by a percentage in the mid-teens this year. Danone says inflation is hitting everything from raw materials to logistics to energy. And car maker Tesla has hit another roadblock in getting its long-delayed Germany factory up and running. The factory is key for Tesla's ambitions to conquer the European market. CEO had hoped to have the plant running six months ago, but approval for the factory has been delayed again. The court in Frankfurt confirmed today it will hear a complaint from environmental groups next week. The group say the plant would use too much water as much as a town of 30,000 uses per year. They argue local authorities didn't carry out sufficient checks before granting a license to Tesla. If the groups win, Tesla would have to find a new water supplier. Rival Volkswagen is currently the biggest electric vehicle seller in the region, well ahead of Tesla. And could hydrogen-powered aircraft be the future? We ask this as Airbus announces it'll test a hydrogen-powered A380 by the middle of this decade. And the Deepfake Quarter has more. Our plan is to take this aircraft and modify it into a hydrogen propulsion flight laboratory. Airbus is the first major aircraft maker to dive into hydrogen. It plans to test a hydrogen plane by the middle of this decade. The aircraft used for the flight demonstrator will be an Airbus A380 equipped with liquid hydrogen tanks that will supply the engine, which is located along the rear fuselage of the aircraft. Hydrogen is better than conventional jet fuel in many ways. It's environmentally friendly, readily available, and lighter. However, hydrogen planes face two big challenges, fuel storage and fuel distribution. Typically in an aircraft, the fuel is stored in the wings and perhaps in, inside some portions of the fuselage. Um, but because hydrogen has to be stored in a compressed state to get enough of it on board, it's in a cylinder. And that cylinder won't fit in a wing and it's probably not um, practical to put it there. So you have to store it in the fuselage. David Naledi is a managing director at Riveron. Naledi says this is what Airbus will likely do with its A380. This may reduce the amount of people and cargo the plane can carry. And the second challenge is fuel distribution. It will require like a um, potentially a, a pipeline, but more than likely um, some kind of uh, container, pressurized container, whether it's on a ship or on a, on a um, truck or a train. Uh, to move it in bulk. Naledi says hydrogen distribution will be a practical constraint and an engineering challenge the industry will face. Meanwhile, Airbus's major rival Boeing is ignoring hydrogen and focusing on more sustainable jet fuels. Fake quarter and News. Quick break, but still to come. A superstar golf duo is planning a luxury community with sprawling estates surrounded by a championship golf course. Find out how much it'll cost to live there. 
even a Swiss tech company makes a robot that can make cheese fondue all on its own. It'll even participate in an upcoming fondue festival. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Think you could do this? A deal struck between a teen and his mom kept the kid off social media for six years. Also put some big bucks in his pocket. Here's their story. How much would it be worth to stay off social media for most of your teenage years? For Minnesota's Sievert Klefsas, the price tag was $1,800. When Klefsas was 12, his mom offered him that exact amount if he stayed off social media entirely until he was 18. Being 12, I didn't really have a great concept of money yet, so I was like, oh, sick, yeah, absolutely. Lorna Klefsas says she was motivated to make the deal, which she called her 18 for 18 challenge, when she saw her daughter too engrossed in her apps and feeds. Really, it was affecting her mood, it was affecting her friendships. Like, oh, somebody said this about you, and then, oh, somebody did this, and like, oh, can you believe that somebody's doing that? And I was really scared from all that. Sievert says the decision was easy because he wasn't too active on social media to begin with. Now 18, this college-bound kid has cashed in on his promise kept and is now wading into the waters of social media at his own pace. On the whole, I'd definitely say totally worth it. I mean, I'd do it again. And Kanye West's new Yeezy Gap collaboration is now available. Oh, some of it. The 25-piece collection includes logo t-shirts, hoodies, and a denim jacket paired with jeans. Eight of the items in the collection went on sale Wednesday. Prices range from $120 to $440. Just minutes after the release, five of the limited edition products sold out. The items that are still available can be purchased online at yeezygap.com and farfetch.com. Legendary golfer Jack Nicholas is teaming up with rising superstar Justin Thomas, opening a luxury golf haven. It's called Panther National. Gated community will have over 200 newly constructed homes surrounded by a championship 18-hole golf course. To live there, it'll cost you at least $3.5 million. Project also partnered with Tesla Energy. It'll allow homeowners to add features like solar panels. Jack Nicholas, at 82 years old, is known as one of the best golfers of all time. He's helped design over 400 golf courses worldwide. Justin Thomas, is only 28 years old, was previously ranked number one in the world. This will be his first major design project with a completion date of late next year. The Paris International Agriculture Fair will open on Saturday the 26th. One of the inventions you can expect to see is a robot they can make its own fondue using wine and cheese. Let's take a look. 
A startup tech company in Switzerland called Workshop 4.0 will present its fondue-making robot called BooBot for the first time. The robot can remove the crust from a block of cheese and grate it into a pot. It then pours wine into the container, heats, stirs and seasons the mixture and dips morsels of bread on skewers into the fondue. The Swiss tech team made almost every part of the robot. These little skewers that we see in the video, they come from a 10-foot-long bar that we cut and modified, so it could do the work that we needed to do. This is what's extraordinary in this project. We don't have a product that was pre-made. We have something here that has never been done at this scale, and everything was invented. Everything was a challenge in truth. The project manager said it took close to nine months to create the pieces and code the robot's program. The team doesn't plan to sell or produce the robot on a larger scale. The idea of the project is to show that Switzerland can be close to its tradition, but also to technology. So the fact that we combine this to fondue or to raclette or to rubiclette, these are elements that easily make people talk and they are easily remembered. So it's good in terms of marketing. The robot is not entirely autonomous. The operator needs to intervene at some point to stop it from mixing the fondue because the robot can't see what it's doing. And the team says the most difficult part was building the cheese grippers. We are asking it to take cheeses that changes each time. It doesn't have the same size or the same shape, and it's never flat. So it's that part that was challenging to make organic and mechanic work together, to have something vague enough that the organic can be there. That was very hard because the robot is extremely precise. The company will transport the robot to Paris by bus. After the agricultural fair, the robot will also participate in the Swiss Fondue Festival, which will take place in November. Kind of cheesy. This latest business updates for today. You can still catch Entity Evening News with Stephanie Cox. That's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. For Entity Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.